Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to episode 41 of the Scott Gibson Show. It's a new rebrand, or a rebrand, for the podcast. Um, welcome along, 41 episodes in. It's been a long slog, let me tell you. I never, there would have been times where I never thought we would get this far. Now, straight off the bat, a couple of things we need to mention. Um, over the last couple of weeks, um, Brickies... Uh, builders, uh, general scallywags of a building site, um, appear to have all returned to work um, safe and sound. You know, I don't want to keep going on. I don't want to be negative. I am trying very hard to do this whole positive vibes, put positive energy in the world. But maybe it's just being for the west of Scotland. It just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know. So my, my point being... How is it that a hundred workies can all be up a scaffolding together, but we can't open up comedy clubs? Anyway, the reason I mention this is because uh, a mere, what, 50, 60 feet for the uh, for the studio, stroke, spare room, um, they've, they've decided to just start, I think the, the correct technical term is battering fuck out a bit of metal. So if you do hear any background noise, I apologise, I'm, I'm trying my best to kind of keep it doing but welcome to episode 41 you may have noticed um on the podcast channel that you use to get your 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 podcast from whether it be spotify itunes soundcloud we're on acast we're on google podcast we're on we're on every bloody iHeartRadio, radio whatever that is we're on them all but you may have noticed the title of the podcast changed and the image uh, of the podcast changed don't worry it's not a different podcast still the same show still your old da We've just done a wee rebrand, so um, it has gone from the Battlefield show to now be called the Scott Gibson show, and it will be known as that ever forth. Um, it's really just trying to encourage people who maybe find the show through my stand-up, easy for them to find, and then again, people who maybe find the show and not aware of, of what it is, you know, haven't seen me do a show, um, it's easy for them. Listen, I've got a pal that's in marketing, she knows what she's talking about. I haven't got a clue, so I've taken her advice. But don't worry, it's the same ranty goodness uh, as it always will be. And this week is no different. Um, I should start by saying, as always, I hope you are safe. I hope you are well. This seems to become the new norm in the, the current situation that we find ourselves still in. Weeks and weeks doing the fucking line. Is it going to get better anytime soon? I think not. Um, and as we awake this morning to news of New Zealand with new cases, which we'll discuss in a minute, that was our guiding hope, our beacon of hope, if you like. The Kiwis! And now they're getting dragged back under to the uh, the madness that we find ourselves in. But 
you know, what can you do? Carry on regardless as uh, Beautiful South once sang. <laughs> Whatever happened to Beautiful South, man? What a great band, you know, great band. Anyway, um, also a big shout out to the patrons. Uh, thank you to everybody who has signed up to the patrons. Um, we're getting closer and closer to our first goal. Um, the first goal for the patrons is 200. And when we hit 200, we will uh, start to do a live monthly uh, broadcast. Uh, a live monthly show to patrons only um, on on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, so that'll be a, a live podcast, if you like, streamed across the airwaves uh, for patrons. So we're pushing towards that goal. And uh, if you would like to join the the patron uh, uh, and become a Patreoni, as always, uh, please do so. It's the best way to support the show and it's the best way for you to get all the extra goodies. There's over 30 hours worth of um, extra podcasts uh, as we record this right now my four comedy albums are all on there for patrons to access for free and the comedy special is on there as well plus loads of extra goodies some other interviews that i did and loads of different things but it's just it's the best way for you to access all of the content you'll get two episodes a week and it is the best way to support the show so if you listen to podcasts you enjoy the rants you enjoy the rambling and you think i want to, I want to help the big man out in this difficult time become a patron patreon.com forward slash big scott gibson it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n forward slash big scott gibson all the links on the website uh so yes consider becoming a patron and joining up to the show right what's been happening man what has been happening in the world um I suppose since it's just it's in the front of my mind, I wasn't going to talk about this first, but we should we should probably mention it. Um, let me just get the the article up here. So New Zealand, which was I think I think I have been so what's the word I'm looking for? So hopeful of New Zealand because I think because first of all they have done so much for the arts and for the artistic community in New Zealand. Or have they? I don't know, but that's the way it looks from the outside, right? And um, it feels as if it's a small country, very much like Scotland, who is able to govern itself and look after itself and support its arts. And so I've always had a kind of common interest to see how it's been dealing with uh, La Corona and the, uh, the pandemic. And New Zealand was one of the first countries to, to lift... You know, to come out of lockdown fully, and I have a few friends who who live uh, in New Zealand, and you know, I've been watching them through Instagram and whatnot, and and you can kind of see that life is back to normal down there. And I suppose the hope was that it would be a wave that would kind of you know wash up across across the globe and eventually reach to us. And you know, months later, we are still in no different position than we were and I don't want this every single week to be about COVID man but it's just becoming very difficult again not to to fall back into that trap you know so this article is uh, on Sky News uh, the headline obviously as many of you saw is that the first outbreak in New Zealand after 102 days sees Auckland put back into lockdown uh, coronavirus has broken out again in New Zealand after more than 100 days and prompted the go- country's government to put its largest city into strict lockdown. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern on Tuesday said the people from one family in South Auckland were found to have contracted COVID-19. These are the first new cases of locally acquired coronavirus after New Zealand went 102 days 
without any domestic transmission. In response, Auckland on New Zealand's North Island will be placed into level 3 restrictions from midday and Wednesday. Local residents have been told by Mrs Arden to stay home to stop the spread of the disease and act as if they act as if you have COVID and as if the people around you have COVID. Those in Auckland are being urged to work from home and leave their houses for essential movements such as going to the supermarket or local park. Miss Arden urged against panic buying at supermarkets on Tuesday. So it does feel as if it's it's taken a step. It's taken a step back. <clears throat> the only hope with this stuff is that I I don't believe that the UK government, Westminster, Bojangles, will act as quickly and decisively if there was another breakout. We've already seen that we have had towns and cities within England placed further into lockdown um, but there, there feels as if it feels as if there's no real consequences of that lockdown so it feels as if it's a news article that comes out at midnight because the, the Westminster government likes to send things out at midnight and it seems to be right you're in lockdown but the reality of it is that you know, there's no consequence for breaking that lockdown or, are people really to me, it feels as if we are so past the point where the majority of people give a fuck anymore that it's going to be very difficult to place towns and cities back into lockdown if that is the decision that, that has to be made. Um, schools are going back. A lot of people are going back to work. It feels as if the majority of people that we know are still... I kind of get comfortable in this fucking street today. It feels as if the majority of people who we know are... <laughs> are moving back towards some kind of normal life. But there's, there's just something missing that doesn't make it feel as if things are back to normal. Obviously, I mean, obviously we're still in lockdown. You know, it's still no normal, whatever the fuck normal is. But it's, it's worrying to see that a country like New Zealand, who was on top of everything, who'd be doing well, went over 100 days with no cases and then it's resurfaced again. And I suppose the questions really need to be asked around how on earth did this family contract it? Had they travelled? Were they being complacent? What had changed within their routine? Who had they interacted with? Where had they been that caused them to contract it? And I don't know if you're going to get to those answers. If something like that was to happen here, if we were to go 100 days and then a family was to contract the virus again, I think people are so... so concerned about the, the government, about this track and trace thing as well. We've heard, I don't want to give tracking and trades. I don't want to give people my details. We've all seen the videos of arseholes what about going, I'm not going to that pub because the government's trying to follow you. Like, just fuck off. But at the same time, how swiftly does a government act? I don't know. Now, another thing that I saw with regards to the, and I suppose again, over time, everybody will start to pick things apart and everybody will start to find other arguments or other cases for arguments and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on so again an article that i saw uh, on sky news 
is about uh, face mask coverings and uh, which face masks work and which face masks don't work. And again, this is such a, a, a worrying thing because this is this is to me this is exactly the type of news that the British media will put out, and it is it's just fear mongering. It's fearful stories that have no real need to be in the public domain, in my opinion. Because what happens is the vast majority of people in this country wrongly will read a headline and the headline is, is as follows. Which face coverings work best? Scientists test 14 masks and find one actually increased the risk of infection. Now, the majority of people in this country will read that headline and they will take from that that wearing a face mask increases your risk of contracting the virus. They, they won't read the article, they won't digest the article, they won't look at the scientific analysis response from the studies on 14 different types of masks and they won't take from that there are some masks that you should wear and some masks you shouldn't wear. They will simply take a snippet of that headline, which is, there is a face mask out there that can increase your chance of the virus. That's what they'll take from it. And and it is worded in a way that that's what the British media want. They want that fear. We, we do not have a news outlet in this country that I know of or that I believe in that gives you fact they may give you an, an, a, a version of the truth quoted in a load of shite, a load of clickbait, a load of fear-mongering. And, it, and it's wrong. Now, if somebody had come back and done a scientific study on 14 different masks, right? And from those studies, they find that some are better than others. And there's actually one mask that is increasing your chance of contracting the virus. You surely, as a news outlet, have to be very careful on how you put that across to the public, to the general public who are fucking idiots. Let's be honest. They're idiots. I've said this a million times in the podcast. If the Daily Record in Scotland and the Sun newspaper is written so that an 11-year-old can understand it, that is the level of intelligence you're dealing with in the general public. So why would articles like this be put out other than to scare you. The, the, these are the these are the masks, right? These are the these are the pictures of the, of the fourteen masks that they are uh, discussing in the in the article. Now, all of those masks, I have seen at least one person wear each of those masks, right? So again, at a glance, the article is the headline, and then a large chunk of it is that picture, so that. Your 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 brain would absorb the fact that you know someone who's wearing at least one of these masks, or you yourself are wearing one of these masks, and then it's a panic to think, is it the mask that, that I'm wearing? It's it's such a it's it anger that the honestly the, the media in this country fucking boils my piss. This is the this is the article from again from Sky News and you can you can you can check this out. Uh, researchers tested coverings ranging from the kind worn by healthcare professionals to neck fleeces and knitted masks. 
Uh, scientists have tested 14 different types of face coverings and found that one of them actually increased the risk of coronavirus infection. Researchers at Duke University in North Carolina. So that, this isn't even this isn't even a British research. That this isn't even. But this isn't even British scientists testing British masks in fucking Britain. Again, but that I, I'm, what I'm meaning is, some of the masks that will be in, that will be tested will not be available in this country. But yet, you 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 take that information, you package it in a way that people only take the snippets because people only want headlines. They want they want little bits. No one's interested in reading anymore. No one's interested in absorbing information. People want a line, a buzzword, an elevator pitch. That's what they want. So they can take a little bit, they can go to a fucking bar, and they can have an argument with hipsters or wankers because they know, I've actually read it 40 muscle tests and one actually increases the risk of coronavirus. That's all people want. This is research from North Carolina. Now, there's no... I, I imagine there will be... Nothing in this article detailing what the research was, how long a period over the research was taken. All they want to do is let you know that there is a face mask that can increase your vitamins. So people don't wear the face mask. Researchers at Duke University in North Carolina tested covering... Also, I've been to North Carolina. It's one of the most backward fucking inbred places in America. So let's get that out there as well. Tested coverings ranging from uh, the kind worn by healthcare professionals to neck fleece and knitted, knitted masks. Who's knitting a mask? Who is knitting a mask? The study's authors compared the dispersal of droplets from a participant's breath while they were wearing one of the coverings to the results of a controlled trial where their mouth was fully exposed. The least effective face covering in the study was a neck fleece. What, what is a neck fleece? Is that the thing that bikers wear? Is that my neck fleece is? Which was found to actually increase the risk of infection by having a droplet transmission fraction of 110%. So it's absorbing droplets. What? Duke University researcher Martin Fisher, uh, who put the test together, told CNN, fuck you now, we were extremely surprised to find that the number of particles measured with the fleece actually exceeded the number of particles measured without wearing any mask. We want to emphasise that we really encourage people to wear masks, but we want them to wear masks that actually work. So why not put this information across in a way that is more palatable to that way of thinking then? I I have still seen it, and I have been very close. I actually think I am three or four steps away from losing my mind, having a proper Michael Douglas falling down moment. Like, I was in the shop... The other day, in a supermarket, and two people came in, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever they were, not a face mask on, neither of them, stoking up and doing the aisles, and I just wanted to grab the fuckers and mash their heads together, because I'm wearing a fucking mask, I hate wearing the mask, I hate it, right, I don't enjoy wearing it, I find it very uncomfortable, I take it off as soon as I can, but I still wear the fucking mask, because you have to, right? Simple as that. Wear the fucking mask. But there are still people out there no wearing it. And this this comes back to my, my point. This comes back to the, where the anger comes from. Is that we're no all in this bullshit together. This argument of, we're, all, we're, all we're no all struggling together. There are a lot of people who still don't give a fuck. 
and all it takes is information like this, false information, to get out there to circulate for people to go, Oh, I saw an article saying that face masks actually give you cancer and you shouldn't wear them. You're joking, Tim. No, no, I'm not joking. And then that's it. We want to emphasise that we really encourage people to wear masks. We want them to wear masks that actually work. So why not come out and just say, here are the face masks you should be wearing. Why not just do that? Why not just do that article? Instead of going, there's actually one that can, that can give you the virus. Honest to God, man, people fucking do my nothing. The other thing as well that's going to happen, that we're seeing already, how many of us have seen adverts for face masks? How many of us have seen it? I've, I saw one the other day. I'm going to show you in a minute. And it's the most spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life. We've all seen uh, every football club has their face mask with a team emblem uh, embroidered on it, so you can, you know, you can still have a, a sectarian face mask if you wish. Uh, you can still go and get your head kicked in uh, for being wearing your face mask in the wrong part of town. You know, we 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 were concerned in Scotland that grown men, women, and children were going about their daily business unable to be identified by which fraction of the Glasgow elite they support, so they can uh, receive uh, abuse while they walk through a supermarket. But thank God, the football teams have jumped on board. And uh, through through a small fortune, through a small fee, you are able to purchase your uh, desired uh, sectarian face covering, uh, and which you can wear around the, the mean streets of Glasgow. I've seen Chanel ones, I've seen Louis Vuitton ones. Everybody's jumping on board now. And this is going to be the next thing. This is, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be cashing in on the virus because it has gone too long now that people who previously were in industries where it may have been a case of let's sit through this and then we'll go back to normal on the other end. That's gone too long now and every industry is now starting to think how do we cash in on the virus? That is where we are. That's that's the sad truth that we find ourselves in now. There are businesses, brands, who will be sitting in an office right now having strategy meetings about how they cash in on the pandemic. Because just like everything else, like the, the, the film, I can't remember the name of it, it might come back to me, where the guys made fucking billions of dollars on the financial crisis and the crash in the market in America, there will be someone who will come out of this pandemic a billionaire, having previously gone into it struggling or not even on the financial map. There are people, brands, businesses, companies who will milk you for everything you have during this pandemic. And we fucking without even thought, hand it over, without even thinking about it, I saw someone on Instagram the other day, and that's the first time I saw it, they had a Chanel face mask, and I thought, you are a fucking piece of shit, of all the things that you do not need right now in this life, a Chanel face mask has to be top of the tree. I'll tell you one face mask you do need is this bad boy. Now, I saw this video uh, on Instagram. Like, what I've started to do is I've started to take notes of some of the adverts that come up on Instagram because some of them are spectacular. Now, 
I would say maybe late nineties, early noughties, you would start to see certain products. In fact, it may even have been the mid noughties, where you would find like German products would be sold in the UK or Turkish products would be sold in the UK. And what you find is that the the trailer or the advert that would be in the television is the same advert that is shown in its country of origin simply dubbed over in English, right? So you'd be watching it going, what is this fucking madness? And now, a lot of the adverts that I see on Instagram remind me of those old spectacular ones because it's just one advert and it will be put over whatever language or country it's in, subtitled. And like I said, con- uh, sorry, businesses cashing in on the virus, cashing in on the pandemic. And I have started to see a lot of adverts for hand sanitizer face masks, um, adverts for cleaning stations in your house. I have seen a, a vast number of adverts and also on the radio for um, private health care, uh, health insurance. Just, you're, if you're listening to this now, if you're 41 episodes into this podcast, you're not an idiot, right? You've stuck with this. Just open your eyes a bit more. Think about what's around you and how... The world is being marketed towards you. Now you you might be at home with a face mask, and you you might be sitting to you know saying to yourself, "Hey, my mask has got everything that I need." You know, it's it's basic. It's the blue one. It's you know it's partly it's medical professionals wear it. It's, you know, reasonable mask. You put it in my pocket and does the job. But wait, do you, wait till you see this beauty, man. When I, when I saw this, I thought it was a piss take. I thought it was an absolute piss take. But it's just spectacular. So here we go. This this is a real advert. This isn't made up. This is a real advert for a product that is on sale for face masks. Enjoy. Now, a couple of things. <laughs> just our face... There seems to be some heavy dance beat playing over the top it, which I don't know if that's meant to encourage you to buy it or not, but... So this is a face mask, which has effectively a, a clear plastic flap at the front, which lifts up so you can eat and drink. Again, a look at her. I mean, what is the, po- what is the point in this goddamn mask? Now they seem to be showing the images of plastic in, in the water because somehow we're tying that back in to it being made from plastic bottles for the sea. I've absolutely no idea. And then it cuts back to this guy at the end, uh, an Asian guy, young Asian fella, just wearing a, a standard face mask, which is probably doing the job of what that weird one is. I When I first saw it, I thought, what? first of all, I thought, it's a, it's a piss take, but it's not deadly serious. A face mask that has a plastic covering that lifts up. The, the The reason behind the mask is because they say that people who are hard of hearing or people who have a hearing disability need to be able to see your lips. And if you are in, I know, if you are in a bar or a loud space... Um, your friends might not be able to hear you understand you. So by having this clear plastic covering where your face is, they can see your, your lips move and they can understand what you're saying. And then you can lift the wee flap up 
and uh, drink your coffee. Let's just play that again. It's this. It's that first. It's that first shot with the mask tilted up. This. This is like. This is like those people in restaurants that put the cut through the mask so they can eat their dinner through the mask. Take your fucking mask off and eat your dinner. Like, see if you have if you really have that much of a fear about being out in public and you keep your mask on while you're trying to eat or drink, just don't go to a fucking restaurant. If you're that fearful, and listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I know people who are afraid, you know, still. Don't go out then. Or get yourself on Instagram and buy one of these face masks for 20 quid plus postage. Flexible and lightweight. With a, <laughs> with a flip up fucking bit. Oh, honest to God, man. The, these, the face masks that are being put out there the news is unbelievable. And and like I said, that there will be companies who are sitting, strategizing, planning, bringing in new products, designed specifically to earn money, to, to, to take money from you through fearful marketing during this pandemic. Not, not for a product that in any way enhances your life during lockdown that, that you, not a product not in any way you need a product simply for them to cash in during the pandemic so just just be aware of this shit man and wear a face mask right um we've got a couple of things here um we've got some news articles as well some other ones that we're going to do uh, towards the end let's just tell you about housekeeping see what we've got yes right okay um couple of things do you know what let's do a question man we've done a question in a while actually uh we've done some questions the patreon episodes we've done a question on, on the old council episode so let me do that and then i don't know i don't know if i'm going to tell you this or not. i posted a picture up on on instagram and facebook the other day and i had my my thumb uh wrapped in tape with elastoplast because I had one of the most incredible experiences of my life on Saturday and uh, I don't know what if, I, if we get time I'll tell you about it if not I'll talk about it in the Patreon episode but uh, unbelievable day unbelievable day anyway right move on question got a question here from uh, Karen Karen Scafe um, Scafe Karen I never know how to say your surname and I apologise um Karen has asked, would you rather see Billy Conley live in the early days or at his classic Albert Hall gig? Um, good question, Karen. Thanks for, for getting in touch. Obviously, if you don't know by now, Billy Conley is my hero, the greatest uh, comedian of all time, the greatest storyteller, entertainer of all time. Without Billy Conley, there is nothing now. Richard Pryor sits very close underneath, but Billy Conley's top of the three, man. Um would I like to have seen him in the early days? Uh, I don't know. I, I saw Billy Conley once uh, live at the at the Armadillo at the it was the Clyde Auditorium in Glasgow many many years ago. I saw him there. I was very lucky to see him there. I don't think that I appreciated it at the time. In fact, I know I didn't appreciate it at the time. I was I was I was a teenager. I was there with a friend from school um, who took me along and his mum and dad were there and a few of their friends and um, it was the it was the gig where he had a lot of the protesters outside for the Catholic Church and actually at the start of the gig when he came on um, 
protesters had managed to get inside the building and they, they tried to rush the stage or they were down the front, like, blasphemy, you're going to hell, you bastard. And I remember that thinking, this is spectacular. This is amazing. And the way that he interacted with them, obviously taking the piss and ripping a hole at them, was great. But I was maybe too young, or in that stage in my life when you're a teenager and, you know, nothing's cool, you know, so I didn't, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as if I would have if I was this age now, if that makes sense. Um, the last two, Crazy Horse, I, I, I love the show, um, I couldn't watch it, I, I could only listen to it, because I'm... I found it quite hard to watch them now with the Parkinson's. Simply because... Simply because you know... You know, you remember him of how he was. Excuse me, I have two very clear images of Connolly when I think about it in my head. One is an audience with Billy Connolly, the black and white zebra shot. That's the first one. And the second one is the old Connolly, the Tour of Scotland when he had the big white beard and uh, he was in his later stages that's that's the Connolly I remember with a long black top and the tight black leggings almost leotard like if I if I could go back I mean I'd love I would love to have been in that audience for an evening with Billy Connolly you know even if you could go back to the to the crucifixion to the recording of the crucifixion it would have been Obviously, it would be incredible to have seen him at that early stage. Um, it's an odd one, right? Because I think I think back to that night in Glasgow when I saw him, and like I said, I never appreciated it at the time. Now I look back and I and I understand how incredible that was to have seen Billy Connolly in Glasgow. Incredible. But like I said, I didn't appreciate it because I was at that stage in my life where I was just a fucking young dafty, right? But the one thing that does stay with me and has stayed with me, and I suppose in a way, it has, without even thinking about it, without, you know, without it trying, without me physically imposing it on myself, it has shaped how I have done comedy, without a doubt. And I know that because... I have the same attitude towards performing. I have been to see comics in the past, big comics, live. And and recently, uh, obviously, not with COVID, but last year I've seen big comedians live. Household names, superstars. And you can set your watch to the second when they are coming off stage. Because that show is so heavily trimmed and edited, they know it word for word. They walk on at a time, and I can tell you to the minute exactly when they're coming off, and it will be an hour. You'll be lucky if you get an hour ten out of them. And it will be, here is the show that I have done a hundred times, bang, 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 good night, and they come off. And the one thing that I without realising it, took from that show that night with Billy Connolly was that as soon as he walked onto that stage, there is not a single person in that room, including him, who knows when this show will end. It ends when it ends. And that's what I 
love about him, what I love about real comedy, storytelling comedy, and what I love about real performance is that no one knows when it's going to end. And I think I have unconsciously tried to take that into my own shows. That's why, that's the one thing I don't enjoy about the Edinburgh Festival is that it's, it's one hour. If we're honest, it's 55 minutes and I struggle with that. I have always struggled from, from day one. I have struggled with keeping to an hour because I, it takes me, I, I just settle in. It's, it's a, it's a show. It's a performance. I don't, I don't think that people, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think people want to pay money to come along and, and see a, a rehearsed show. If that was the case, go to the theatre, see a play. I think the, you want something that's a bit real, that's a bit raw, that's not as polished. And that's why I struggle with the times. Because when I know I've only got an hour, I start to panic and I go, you know, I go off on a tangent or I'll talk to an audience member or I'll, I'll maybe think of something that day that I want to discuss or, or throw a bit in. And you're always having to consciously edit. Whereas when you do the tour show and you've effectively got as long as you want, within reason, you know, within reason. But you'll do half an hour, 40 minutes at the start, which is the warm-up, getting them settled. And then I'll come on and then we'll, we'll go. And we'll go for, sorry, we'll go for as long or as short as as that night dictates. You know that it's definitely going to be an hour because you've done an hour at the Edinburgh Fringe. So you know, without thinking, without adding anything in, without going off on a tangent, without travelling down a different path to tell a story, you know it's an one hour, 60 minutes. Now, if you've done your job properly in the first half and the audience is loose and they're up for a laugh and they're engaged in the night and they give you the ability to sit back and be comfortable and go off on a wee tangent, that hour can very quickly become an hour 15, an hour 20, an hour 30. That's the one thing that I have taken from that unconsciously that stuck with me. As being completely unaware of when it will end, but also everybody in the room being very happy with that. And you see where it goes. And I wish I wish there was more I wish I wish there was more gigs and more comedians like that who would just let who would just let it go. Be a put a, a bit more art in the performance and see what happens. No don't be afraid to fail, you know? Even, even bigger names, household names. I wish that a lot of the big comics in this country would stick to being comedians first rather than trying to be something else. And and not being afraid to, in a show, in a tour show, you know, just have a bit that falls on its ass. Or, you know, I wish there was a bit more of that. Even, to, to, to answer the question, I suppose... If I could see him in the early days of the alcohol gigs, I'd probably go for neither, and I'd probably go for the an audience with Billy Connolly. Even that, I mean, the, the fear of that as well. You know that that's that's him at the the top, the very top of his game. I think an audience with Billy Connolly. That is Billy Connolly at the very 
summit the very peak of his power. And he, st he stayed there for quite a number of years after. Not that he's declined, but obviously with, with his illness, you know, I, I imagine it's unlikely we're going to see him on stage again. But, but that, to do that in a room as well, where at the time you had, you know, the, I suppose the cream of British celebrity, that must be a difficult gig to do. But not only does he do it well, but he's, he smashes that gig. Robbie Coltrane looks like if he's going to have a heart attack laughing so hard. So if you could go back to any time, it would have been that time, I think, for me. To have seen him at the at the peak, he's power, firing on all cylinders. And, and this is the other thing as well. We have become so focused on, on youth and on, on people who have been doing things the shortest time. Whereas it should be the opposite. Like, we shouldn't have any, we really shouldn't have any famous comedians, you know, under the age of 40. Really? Even, I'm 36, right? Is anyone really interested in what I've got to say? I don't know. I mean, I hope you listen to the podcast. Maybe you do, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, this whole idea of going, please welcome to the stage this, this next act. He's 17 years of age. He's been doing comedy for two and a half weeks. Well, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Not interested. I, I I want to hear people who have 15 years in the trenches. You know, a little bit battered, a little bit bruised. And I don't know if, again, that comes with age, but I don't think that is the case. I don't know if it's just because you get a bit older that you want something that's been, that's maybe got a bit of history to it. You know, it's got a bit of story. It's got a bit of life. Even daft things like, I love going to, these old kind of, what would you call it, charity shops, thrift shops, whatever. I've got a real thing for old crockery, old, um, like, I love, an old, I love an old cup, anything coffee related. Do you think of like an old cafeteria, an old coffee pot, or cutlery? See, old cutlery, Sheffield steel, solid bit of cutlery. I would much rather have something like that than some trendy hipster wanky shit out of Ikea. Now, yes, I've got Ikea stuff in the kitchen. Of course I have, we all have. But is it with my age? Is it because I'm getting older I see value in in older things? Or is it because it's from a time where more effort went in it, more thought was spent on it? Same with older comics, older performers, older actors. They've been through more, they've experienced more, they can put that across. I don't know. Again, we seem to have travelled off on a, a weird tangent, but Karen, thank you for your thank you for your question and apologies for that weird break in there. I had to go and get the uh, the Tesco delivery in, um, which was meant to be coming uh, last night when he came today. Fucking Tesco, eh? Fuck's sake. Right, um, let's look at uh, another. Uh, question and um, because it actually ties in with something that i had asked previously and never got a chance to, to speak about um ian kearney uh ian uh long time listener i believe ian uh asked a couple of questions over the episodes uh and thanks again ian for this one this is one that was asked a few weeks back and i had uh i'd, I'd missed it forgot it forgot to get to it so we'll do it now uh, and, and ian had asked have you even ian had asked my apologies um 
If you could travel anywhere right now, where would it be and why? And we're going to tie this in with uh, another question that I'd asked where I'd put out on the Instagram page if there was a, a city anywhere in the world that regardless of how many people try and convince you otherwise, you will always think it's a pile of shite, right? Now, for me, it's Paris. I, obviously, I have been watching Anthony Bourdain's uh, programmes again since lockdown. I've done everything again from start to finish. No reservation, the layover, parts unknown. If you've never watched any Anthony Bourdain, watch his shows. They are incredible. They're split between Netflix and Amazon. Watch as much of it as you can because it will give you a real education on the world. And obviously, it's, he's, a, he's a chef, right? A famous chef. Many, I imagine most people know, sadly, took his own life a few years ago. And um, he's an incredible man. And he tells stories through food. And through his programmes, you get to see parts of the world that the likelihood is you will never get to travel to. And if you strip it all down to the basics, we are all the same, wherever we are. We all eat, we all drink, we all, we're all afraid, we all love, we all fall out of love, we all, all our fears, worries, hope, we're all the same. And one of the very powerful things that you take from a lot of his programmes is that you are able to break down barriers by communicating through food. You might not be able to speak a common language, but you you can feed someone. You can tell stories of your youth, your your country through through food. And it's just a his work is spectacular, and you should watch it. But one of the things that come out a couple of times on two different programs, they've been in Paris, and he talks about Paris. Obviously, there is a, a culinary connection there because it's the birthplace of modern gastronomy. And uh, most of the cooking techniques come from France, if not all of them. And I imagine that's where every chef that's classically trained, when they speak of the classics, it's, it's French, you know, trained in the French classics. So anybody who's a chef will always have a real connection to, to Paris. Um, but it is the one city in the world that regardless of whoever tries and convince me otherwise, I will always think it's a shite hole. I went to Paris a few years ago, it's my first time there, and now, I would argue that sometimes when you go to places, you maybe don't stay in the right part, or you didn't spend enough time there, or you were there with the wrong people, whatever it may be, but this wasn't this wasn't the case. I stayed in a lovely, a stunning hotel, Went to some nice restaurants, went to some nice parts of restaurants, went to some nice parts of Paris. But it is a shite hole. It's busy, it smells, there is uh, some of the parts where it felt as if it was on like the film lot at like Warner Brothers or something like that. Like I had came from like a kind of a modern French love story and I've turned the corner and I'm in like a fucking Dick Tracy movie or some fucking Apache Desert Storm. It was just the maddest city I've ever been in. The 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 obviously the French arrogance is heightened when it comes to Paris. That's like their fucking their, their mecca, you know? 
It's interesting. I, I spoke about Andorra a couple of times because I've been to Andorra snowboarding, which was the best snowboarding holiday I've ever had. And Andorra is right on the border between France and Spain. And it's such an odd place because the people of Andorra have the French arrogance, but the Spanish laziness. <laughs> so it's a very odd, it's a very odd mix of person. And that they are incredibly arrogant, cheeky, but fucking love a lion. Love a lion. But Paris for me is the one city, regardless of how many travel documentaries I watch, cooking shows I watch, no matter how many people try and convince me of it, I will always have my memories of Paris of a couple of times. Once I was even in a street, and I remember walking down the street, looking at Google Maps, trying to get to this restaurant, and I cannot even begin to describe the image of the street. At one point I thought I was in Delhi. I was like, I'm going to turn around and see a guy shitting in the curb. And I just, in the middle of the street, I just went, where the fuck am I? Where the fuck am I? Horrendous. So I'd asked that before and a couple of people had got in touch. Uh, Karen, from Past Question, uh, agreed with me on Paris. Craig uh, Mackey had said, Lisbon, a place I've never been. Um, but obviously, some problems with, with Lisbon. Uh, Philly Boy, B-H-O-Y, Philly Boy, had said Milan. Again, another city where I have no interest in going. Because of my love of food, there are certain places in Italy that I would choose well over Milan. I don't even know if Milan would be like in your top 10 places to go and visit in Italy. Milan to me feels like, it feels like the place that people would go in Italy if they have no idea what Italy's about, if that makes sense. You know, if we're going to Milan, we'll fuck off then. No interest in Milan. I can imagine Milan being an absolute fucking hellhole. Victoria, interestingly, had said Edinburgh. And here's the thing. I think there's a lot of Scottish people, certainly the West Coasters, would, would hate Edinburgh. And there's, there's two things on that. One, you if you come to Edinburgh, you're never really in Edinburgh. And the second... People who live here have no interest in telling outsiders where the where the real Edinburgh is. Does that make sense? So when you come to Edinburgh, I imagine you get the train, right? You'll know it for the Fringe or the Hugmanay parties. You'll know the castle, you'll know Princess Street. This is where they filmed fucking bloody mad movies. And you will do... The tourist bit, the Royal Mile, the castle, the meadows, and you do that bit. And that's fine. And that's nice. And that is how someone who lives in Edinburgh is able to deal with the tourism. Because Edinburgh is like, you know, I mean, I was going to say like New York. It's nothing like New York or LA. It's like those places in the sense that it is a tourism destination 365 days a year. Every single day of the week, every single day of the year, there are thousands of tourists in Edinburgh. Even right now, during a global pandemic, there are thousands of Spanish, Italian and Asian tourists walking up and down the Royal Mile. Even right now. But they have done a very clever thing in containing them in this kind of central strip. So where I am in Edinburgh, in Leith, you will get very few tourists in here. And the ones you do get are 
probably the ones that have maybe been a couple of times and they understand the city a bit more and they know where it is. And the beautiful thing about being down here is that as soon as you cross over from York Place, or when, once you come back from like George Street, you're literally in another city. It doesn't exist. And it's wonderful because this is the part of the city that you'd want to be in. Leith, Stockbridge, cafes, restaurants, beautiful part of the city. And we are distant from it. But again, I can understand why some people just don't like Edinburgh. I get it. Um, and then Steg uh, had got in touch uh, and had said uh, London again, another one where I understand... I understand if you go to London as a tourist or on holiday, it's uh, it would it would feel horrible. It has felt horrible to me. I have been in the past. I went down for a break, a wee, a wee city break, and it was horrendous. You're just getting ripped off with shit food, shit restaurants. You're you're surrounded by thousands of people. You're you're crammed in like sardines. But if you ever go down there and spend some time, London is effectively lots of different little villages and you just find the part of London that suits you and then you stick within that and you just explore it and you, you get to know that a bit better. But again, I can understand. I can understand why London can be overwhelming for a lot of people and horrible at the same time. So to go back to Ian's question, where would I be right now? And I have, I don't know if you've been doing this, but recently I've been having these flights of fancy where I win the lottery and suddenly all the problems are are solved and I buy a house somewhere and I travel off and you know you live the life you want to live and in your head you're doing right I'd give them a million I'd give them half a million and how much would I need to live and this is what I've been doing constantly I don't know if it's lockdown I don't know if it's daydreaming I have started to send the missus links to houses for sale and houses for rent I don't know if it's possible I don't know if I could do it, but one thing that I'm certainly realising from the situation we're on with the pandemic is that nothing's impossible. And I have been too quick in the past to say that couldn't happen or I couldn't do that. And I'm trying to think more like, well, why couldn't I do it? Why couldn't that happen? Because my favourite place in the whole world is Amsterdam. It has been for a number of years. And... If I say to you that my favourite place in the world is Amsterdam and the first thing you think of is smoking weed or the red light district, then you have never been to Amsterdam. It is the greatest city in the world. It is the greatest city in the world. And it's my favourite place in this whole world. And if, if I could somehow organise my life so that I lived in Amsterdam, I would be, I can't even put a number on it, I would be, I'd be instantly a happy person. Instantly. Any fears, worries that I have now, any negative thoughts, I know any time I have been to Amsterdam, they're gone. And and I suppose now it's trying to figure out how do I get there? How do I get to the point where that is where I live and that is my life? It's, it's the best city in the world. The The people are incredible. The Their attitude to life is amazing. I love the climate. I love the weather. It's hot in the summer. It's cold and wet in the winter. 
just like Scotland, you are close to water or always accessible to water. There is there is something that I, I don't I don't know what it is, but there's something deep inside of us that your happiness increases the closer you get to water, I believe. Doesn't need to be a lake or an ocean, it could be a canal. Could be something as simple as that, but there is something about being near water that makes you happier. I I love the architecture, I love the I love the food. Uh, I love the fact that they like a drink, but it's not rowdy. I just I just love the city. I love it. I love I love the parks, I love the space, I love the different areas. I honestly love everything about it. And if I if there's any way that I could move out there and survive, be comfortable, live a life, it, honest to God, it's it's the only thing that some people may have a list of things they want to achieve. The only one that's on my list is somehow get to Amsterdam. Because that's the first thing I do. If we if we ever came into money, we won the lottery, we had something, I would buy somewhere in Amsterdam. And again, it's probably one of the most expensive cities to live in Europe. <laughs> so that's the likelihood of it is... Again, as, as I'm saying that to you, I'm, again, I am finding ways in which to, you know, to, to shut it down. I already live in the most expensive city to live in my country. Edinburgh is the most expensive city to live in Scotland. The rent that we are paying now, I say we, the missus, right? God bless her. I, I'm, I'm, we're living on what a hundred pound a week. If that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm bringing. That's what I'm bringing. <laughs> oh fucking hell, COVID. But this is the highest rent I've ever paid in my life. And we are living in the most expensive city in Scotland. So that can be an excuse, you know, to shut down something like Amsterdam. Because you're, you're effectively, it's, it's probably the same. It really is probably the same expenditure. Edinburgh here. It will be. But, Ian, if I could be anywhere, and I, and I urge all of you, if you have never been, go to Amsterdam. Go, go for a week go for a long weekend I would actually say go for go for a week um, or don't just be there for a weekend get yourself a couple of weekdays as well and listen if you've never been go to the red light district go to the tourist bit walk about the canals have a smoke have a coffee you know spend a couple of hours doing that it is again it's not as seedy as you think it is we have a very backward attitude to sex in this country I've said it for as long as I can remember Go there, see it, absorb it, and then get out from the tourist bit, you know, and explore the city, because it is an incredible city, an incredible city, and uh, who knows, man, who knows what's going to happen, we never thought in a million years we'd be sitting with the whole world shut down, right, never, so we don't know what's around the corner, as, as daft as that sounds, you have no idea what's around the corner, so maybe at some point in the future, I find myself in Amsterdam, me and the missus and the tour manager, Eric the Cat, living in a beautiful flat in Amsterdam. Happy as fucking Larry. Who knows? Who knows what's round the corner? But Ian, uh, Karen, thank you for your questions, man. Thanks for getting in touch. If you've got any questions, uh, get in touch. Contact me. Um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, probably the best ways to do it. Uh, Facebook is 
at Scott Gibson Comedy and Instagram is at Big Scott Gibson or go to the website scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and uh, fill in the contact form and send us your question man but look out for the posts I normally post up when I'm recording anyway so you can get in touch well, I don't know why that's no don't know why that's no working now. there you go eh? we're pressing pressing buttons here and absolutely nothing's working is it Computer's on a go slow, man. Computer's on a go slow. That's the problem. Right, what time are we at in here? God almighty, we're nearly at an hour. Right, um, what have we got? Let's look at this uh, very quickly. This is a, a news article that I saw um, a couple of days ago where Emirates, the uh, the airline, is actually uh, offering free funerals um, for anyone who is infected by covid uh, during one of their flights, which uh, for a marketing ploy is amazing. Some airlines give you, you know, a free meal, packet of nuts. Maybe no nuts anymore because fucking cunts will explode. Um, but certainly, I, I think they are the first offering a free funeral. You know, you're gonna get people who are at death's door. Cause how much is a funeral? Ten grand, five grand. You know, how much is a, f- a flight in Emirates? Fifteen hundred quid, two grand. There's some, there's some, they've not really thought about this marketing here. You're going to get people who literally are crawling out of that plane to die so the family can save a cut like that. People will be sitting going, listen, I don't think Gran's going to make it, man. Going, right, listen, get her booked on a flight to Abu Dhabi, fucking fire her on, they'll deal with it. They're offering free funerals. Let's look at the, uh, the news article here, actually. Uh, it says Emirates has become the world's first airline to offer free COVID-19 insurance as it tries to get people flying again. Passengers will be covered for medical treatment, hotel quarantine and even their funeral if they catch the virus and die while travelling. We know people are yearning to fly as borders around the world gradually reopen but but they are seeking flexibility and insurance should something unforeseen happen during their travel. Emirates Group Chairman Sheikh Ahmed bin Said al Mokatun said in a statement. Uh, the offer is valid for 31 days from the start of the passenger's journey and will run from now until the end of October. So if you've got a granny on death's door, get her booked up quick. It means if a passenger is diagnosed with coronavirus during their trip, their medical expenses will be covered uh, up to £135,000, which will probably get you five hours in a hotel, a finger up your arse in an ambulance home. If a lockdown is imposed and the passenger has to self-isolate in a foreign town or city, the airline will pay up to €100, Euros, £90 per day for quarantine costs, which again, you know, if you're travelling somewhere that Emirates flies to, £90 a day, you're probably going to get a hostel. Uh, they will pay those costs for up to two weeks. The Middle East carrier has also said that they will contribute €1,500 towards a funeral if passengers are diagnosed with the virus and then pass away after flying Emirates. So €1,500 towards your funeral uh, is not a free funeral, uh, as the headline says. But there you go. That's what Emirates is kicking out to you, man. Wonder what BA is going to offer, eh? Barbecue and a foot rub. Eh? That's going to be the new thing with airlines. Emirates are like, listen, we'll give you £90 a night for a hotel and €1,500 towards a funeral. All right, so come fly with us, British Airways. Oh, how about a sandwich with Pret-a-Manger? No fucking nuts in it or seeds because we don't want anybody else exploding in the plane. And then when you get to Ibiza, 
we'll give you five pound towards a drink at Lineker's. <laughs> Come fly with me. Now you get fucking easy, Jet. Go on. We'll give you a tit wank and a foot job. Fly with fucking easy, Jet. <laughs> this is the new market employees of the airlines. Right, let's wrap this up. This has been a very odd episode. This is not the episode I wanted to do. We actually did a bit of prep uh, before the start of this and we never uh, done it. We've got uh, ways to stay cool article. We've also got the story of the Amazon driver who shot himself. We're going to have to keep that for Friday's Patreon episode uh, in which we will also do the story of what happened to my wee thumb and uh, also one of the best days I've ever had in my life. We'll do that on Friday. So if you want to hear about those stories, uh, join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Right, apologies team, this has felt odd. We've been interrupted a few times, a couple of deliveries and things. That's what happens when you work from home, as most of you are doing. Uh, but thank you to everybody who subscribes, to listens, who shares, who enjoys the podcast. Bit of a ranty one, bit of a chatty one. But hey, they all can't be funny. Know what I mean? Uh, right, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to the show, share it on your social medias, increase the numbers, let's grow the followings. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Patreon, man, right? Just just subscribe. It works out at like £3.20 a month. What is that? Nothing! Less than the price of coffee. And for that, you're going to get two episodes a week. Two episodes a week. Plus all the extra goodies that comes up throughout the course of time. So do it, man. It's the best way to support the show. It's the best way he'd butt the mic to support the show in this difficult time. Right, look after yourselves. Uh, stay safe. Uh, wash your hands and your asshole. And I will hopefully see you on the battlefield soon. Take care of yourselves. Onwards. <laughs>